Welcome to Nairobi Chapel and Bakasi. We grow deep to reach wide. Today we want to talk about giving. But just uh, uh, an overview of one of the things we learned last week is the way the Bible has emphasized this topic of money very much. The second most talked about topic is love. And the number one is money. Money is talked about eight times more than love. So that shows you that there's something God wants us to learn regarding this thing. And as, as Lawi said, we use it every day. We, we depend on it to some extent. And it, it, it's a big part of our lives. But what does God tell us to do with it or how to deal with it? So that is one of, those, those are the things that we want to unpack uh, this month. So last week we learned that um, the thing that God wants us to do is to repay back our debt and to move from being a borrower to become a lender and to become a giver. So today that is why we were moving into this topic of, of, of giving. Now, there's this index called the World Giving Index. Uh, it had been carried out for the last 10 years, the last decade, for the last 10 years. So what they did in 2019, they did like a culmination of all those surveys to see all through that decade uh, which countries are the most generous. So I think the reason they did that is because when you look at one year, you can be number one, next year you can be number 50. But when you're able to look it at a duration, maybe a decade, you're able to see some consistency. And one thing that came out when I read it the first time, it shocked me, was in the top 19 countries, Kenya is the only African country in terms of the most generous. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I like his reaction. He's asking how, but he's clapping. <laughs> and, and I think I had a similar reaction because at first I was like, huh? How are we in the top 20, not in Africa, in the world, and the only one in top 19 in Africa? And you know, this study just looked at around 125 countries and to see how they give of their time, how they give uh, of uh, their money to causes that they care about. And so what they did is they, they had a questionnaire and the three questions that they were asking to individuals in these countries, one was, uh, in the past month, have you helped a stranger or someone you did not know, but they had a need? That was the first one. The second one was, have you donated money to a charity? And the third one was, have you volunteered your time to an organization? So uh, bringing all that together, uh, we are top in Africa. But when you, look up, when you think about it, even as we grew up, uh, there's a lot of helping out one another in, our, in, in this country. I know when we talk of giving, the first thing that comes to mind is money. But money is not the only thing that we can give. Uh, of course, it's a big, it's a big factor. Uh, but growing up, you know, you have instances whereby you have to come in together to support someone, even if they are going for further studies or they are unwell, they need assistance in one form uh, or another. So one thing they say that in this study is over that 10 years, Kenya has actually been improving in ranking. And one of the reasons is because uh, of social media. I'm sure you, you've seen be it WhatsApp, maybe, or, or their status, there's always, maybe we need to support someone who's going through, uh, is in hospital and they need to raise money for this and this, or just a cause, different causes. 
and you'll find, because I found myself, one or two of them, I resonate with them. I don't know that person, and I resonate with that, and I just reach out and, and give whatever, some, something small that I have. So it's something that is in our fabric. In fact, if you look at our coat of arms, see, Munajua coat of arms, see your coat, it's not an actual coat, yeah? Uh, but it has a word in it. Who knows what word is there? Hmm? Harambe, exactly. The Kenyan coat of arms has the word Harambe, which means we all pull together. So it's ingrained in our fabric. So another, another study that was carried out uh, around four or five years ago was on the reason why Kenyans give. So we just deep, go like a deep dive into the giving of, of Kenyans. So the first one, the first thing this study looked at is what the key challenges what were the key challenges that Kenyans face? So in uh, that order, the top four were, the first one was health, then education, poverty, then economic empowerment. I don't know whether those still are issues in our country right now. Is health an issue for us? And especially, I mean, we saw it last year, you know, uh, and, and it continues on to this year. This, this, um, I, I know you've, you've read in the news, uh, there's been this, I don't know whether to call it a rumor uh, that the president of uh, Tanzania is unwell. And uh, in fact, one of the publications said that he's gone abroad for uh, medication, you know. And uh, Kenyans are very witty. Someone picked that up and said, I live in Kino and I've never known I live abroad all this time, you know. Because <laughs> the, the, the reports say that he's actually... Uh, in Kenya. So that, that's, a, that's an issue. That's a big issue. Health, uh, education, of course, is an issue. Uh, poverty, a big one. Economic empowerment. Uh, Kenyans give in three ways. One is cash, two, they volunteer, and three is in kind. I don't know if you've gone to rural churches, especially during Christmas. You know, as you're entering, you, you can be forgiven to think that but these are people who are giving. That's their form of offering. They bring uh, goats, they bring a sack of maize, potatoes, and so on. And that is a form of giving. It's not very prevalent in urban areas like this, but it's something that is there. Uh, the other thing they looked at is what Kenyans... Uh, how do Kenyans contribute to individuals in need? So the first one was directly to the individual, to, uh, through religious organizations. A good example was even last year, we had a food bank here and guys were called upon to give because that food bank was going to support uh, people who are going through a difficult time, not, be, not being able to make ends meet and so on. So people were able to give through this church, for instance. Then the other one, uh, people contributed through friends or families of those in need. You don't know, don't know exactly the person in need, but you know their relative or their friend. The other one was through uh, non-profit organizations, and the, other, the last one was uh, fundraisers. The other thing they looked at is uh, how Kenyans decide on how much to give. Yes, I want to give, but how much will I give? So the first one was, it is based on what one has at the time of need. So you meet a need, then you go to your pocket and see how much you have. Then you decide, what can I give uh, based on what I have at that point? The second was 
based on the type of need. At times, you can hear a need and you can start um, ranking them and say, hey, this need, probably I'll even need to rally more people to assist me to give. But in some needs, are like, this one I can meet, and so on. So people decide based on the type of need. The other one is they give based on the type of cause being supported. If it's something close to your heart, maybe you're able to give uh, more generously. And the last one was uh, they give either a specific amount or a proportion of, your, of the income. So you can say, I'll give 1K, for instance, or I'll give 10% of my income. So that's how people decided on, uh, what they, uh, on, on how, to, how much to give. The other thing they looked at is the frequency of giving. And what came out clearly is that Kenyans, we are impulsive givers. We give as the need arises. We don't have a plan in terms of giving. We give as the need arises. You know, I, I can come and give you everything I have today. Then tomorrow, I'm the one in need today. So you give. <laughs> My need is the one that is immediate today. <laughs> so we don't really plan for giving. We just wait for the need to arise and, and we give. So that is giving impulsively. Is it a good thing? Is it a bad thing? Uh, then the last one was, uh, if you find yourself, you're not in a position to give, what hinders Kenyans from giving? So the first one is, I don't have anything to give financially. But as we've said, it doesn't have to be financial. It's only that each time we think of giving, the first thing that comes to mind is finances, but there is more that you can give apart from your finances. Mike, Mike has talked of evangelism that happened yesterday. Just showing up is giving of your time, you know. Uh, so there are many things uh, you can do. Then the other reason people don't give or, or, or hinders Kenyans from giving is they don't trust that the individual in need is genuine. Does that sound familiar? There's a, it reminds me, there's, there's a guy who used to buy some t-shirts from some years ago. Uh, he has fantastic, uh, in terms of clothing and everything, very fantastic stuff. But his client relationship aspect is a bit uh, on the wanting side, you know. So I found myself in various instances, because he has a, a WhatsApp group he's put us in, so he posts things and you tell him, I'm interested in this, he keeps it for you. But many times you'll go and find, ah, you're a loser. <laughs> and, and, and you know, you don't, you don't exactly, it's not in your way home or to work, you've actually taken time to go there. Then you go there and tell, ah, you're Elisha Enda. So last year, um, there's someone within the group who reached out to us telling us that the guy who sells clothes to us is not feeling well, so we chip in. And I remember there was a, a rally to, you guys give, give. Then every day is like, hey, guys are not giving, what's up? So I came to realize that everyone had gone through what I went through, and <laughs> people did not think this guy was genuine. So I actually went and talked to my barber, because he's the one who introduced me to this guy, and he was like, actually, this guy is unwell. For real, for real, this guy is unwell. So I think it's that issue of once beaten, uh, twice shy. Then the other reason why Kenyans don't give is you believe your donation will be used for other things more than, I mean, apart from the need that you've been told uh, is, is present. Then the last one is uh, people believe that donors give enough. And I remember I, I experienced this some years ago. I volunteered at, at a community-based organization, and they had foreign donors, 
but one of the mandates we were given is to try and look for local donors. And it was a challenging time doing that because once they hear there's an external donor, they think you're swimming in money. Actually, they ask whether you guys can give to another cause that they have. But it's something that uh, ordinarily people just assume. Since you're getting money from outside, you guys must be having a lot of money. So why are there all these studies about giving? I mean, um, if you've been in the position of giving and in the position of receiving, it comes naturally that you feel better when you're given something, when you receive something. That's why you always say thank you and you feel very nice uh, about it. But we don't see studies about receiving. We don't see surveys done about receiving. We see a lot of work going, gone, that have gone around about giving. So why is this? So I decided to look at a few individuals who I can say are icons when it comes to uh, finances and success and what their take is on giving. So the first one is Dr. Manu Chandaria. We all know him, uh, billionaire, philanthropist. Uh, and one thing he said about giving is, he said, I am grateful that I am useful to others. To be happy is not just to have everything. Uh, according to us, this guy has everything. But he said, to be happy is not just to have everything. Happiness for me is being available to others for their happiness. In my religion, we always say to be happy, you have to make others happy. If you cannot make others happy, you think, and you think you are happy, you are not. My happiness depends on others around me being happier. So for him, with all that he's achieved, he's found happiness in giving. He's not found happiness in the possessions he has, the businesses he started, uh, the cars he has, and anything like that. He has found happiness in actually giving. The other one is Bill Gates. We all know Bill Gates. Uh, we use his products almost every day, uh, windows and everything, and he has a track record of success. He's one of the wealthiest men in the world. So he was talking about uh, they have a foundation uh, and they do a lot of philanthropy work, and he was saying whatever cause you pick, philanthropy is a personal decision. Melinda and I often say that the work we are doing today is the most fulfilling thing we have ever done. And if you know what they have ever done, you'll understand that this is a shocker because you'd expect them to say, we've brought up successful businesses, we've done investments and grown them, but they're saying in terms of fulfillment, what they're doing in the philanthropy space of giving is the most fulfilling uh, for them. So it says that if you inspire, if you can inspire someone to give, uh, sorry, it says, I hope everyone here will take some time to share with others what you get out of giving. If you can inspire someone to give money, that's great. If you can inspire them to spend a few hours at a food bank or learning about an issue they've, they're passionate about, that's just as important. I think he also brings the aspect of it's not just finances, it's giving of your time. If it's a cause you're passionate about, you can even study more about it so that you know how you can be able to assist in that uh, area. And says that it's just as important. He continues by saying that this can be the best legacy of the initiative we're launching today to inspire people to think about what they can do, large or small, to make the world a better place. So there's also uh, a study that was done in Harvard 
which the result was giving money to someone else lifted the giver's happiness more than spending it on themselves. You know how when you're stressed and you say, I want shopping therapy. Let me go buy stuff for myself. I mean, that one will give you a shot for a day or two, but you'll revert back to feeling miserable with all your belongings, with all your possessions. But it says that if you actually give to someone else to meet their need, you're actually happier. And also there's another research, they're saying actually a number of researches that linked generosity to better health, especially to the elderly and also the sick. So these are just some of the few reasons or few nuggets you can pick from lessons of people uh, who've gone ahead of us and are givers, is that uh, for the giver, you become happier. For the giver, you become more fulfilled. For the giver, you become more healthy. I mean, it doesn't have to be physical. There's also the aspect of mental health. You know? So giving actually does do something to the giver. And that's why there are all these studies about giving rather than receiving. But the beauty of it is that there actually seems to be benefits for the person giving uh, in this. So our reading today comes from the book of Second uh, Corinthians, chapter 9, from verse 6 uh, to 15. So we want to see what uh, the Bible says about this topic of giving. The Bible has so many things that it actually says. So we'll just speak on this scripture for today. And this scripture in Second Corinthians, chapter 9, from verse 6 to 15, Paul was encouraging the church in Corinth to make a generous financial contribution to impoverished Christians in Jerusalem. So this was uh, a call to them to give. So let me just read, and I'm reading from uh, NIV, from verse 6. It says, remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God, God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. As it is written, they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. Verse 10. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. Verse 12. This service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of the Lord's people, but is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. Because of the service by which you have proved yourselves, others will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone else. And in their prayers for you, their hearts will go out to you because of the surpassing grace God has given you. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. So we'll try and unpack that portion of scripture verse by verse and see what we can learn 
from this. As I mentioned, this was a word to the Corinthians to give to the Christians in Jerusalem who were not really uh, doing well. So the first verse we look at in verse 6, which says that whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will reap generously. So this is just a basic mathematics. Uh, if, I want, uh, if I want one tree, probably, or one bush, I'll put a seed. But if I want a plantation or many trees, I'll have to put more seeds. It's just basic mathematics. So you reap what you sow. You reap sparing, you sow sparingly, that is what you will reap. You know. So when, when, when we're giving, it always feels like we are, we are losing something. I have a thousand shilling note in my pocket. Mike ametuambia tutoe, natoa 100. So I feel like ugh, I've lost 100 shillings, nimebaki na 900. But truthfully, it's not something we have lost. It's something we have sold. And it's something that we will reap in due time. Philippians 4.19, it's, it's a scripture we all know, and my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. And this scripture was made in reference to the generosity of the Philippians. God took care of their needs as they took care of God's needs. Um, last year, when, I was, when, when, I, when, I was, when we were going through this, uh, this sermon specifically, I remember mentioning that the day before I'd met with, a, with some friends of mine, friends we've not, we had not met in a while. And for me, it was very, I can call it a divine meeting because uh, it, it's like God was trying to teach me that, yes, you've prepared all this material, but umeenda lab, unajua sciences, kuna class, then you go to the lab. So it's like I needed to hear actual stories of people I know on this issue of giving. Yes, I've gone through my own, but also when you hear it from someone else and it's someone you know, it hits home. So I think it was really crucial for me to hear that before I came to speak to you people. And so one of the guys was, was telling me when I told him that I'll be preaching on, on giving, he told me his story, uh, the way some years before that he had, he had resigned from formal employment. He had started his own practice, and along the way he decided to start two side hustles. So things looked well for a while, but after a while there was like a government directive that led him to close his side hustles. So his in income was really uh, affected, and of course... Uh, finding it hard to meet his day-to-day -day needs. But what he, what he decided, he still had his practice, uh, at least to keep him afloat, but he had a lot of time because now these other hassles were taking up much of his time. So he decided to volunteer in the church. He went to them and said, uh, I'm available to be used of service. And something miraculous happened is that as he served in the church, he discovered his purpose. He discovered his calling in a very specific area uh, in, in ministry. And he enrolled to learn more about it. And I remember meeting him when I was doing my master's because we were in the same uh, institution. Uh, so when we met later, that's when he told me how he ended up there. It was through the discovering his purpose in church, and now he enrolled for this course. 
So remember, his income is not what it used to be. Uh, and over and above that, he's gone to an institution whereby money is required. So he graduated last year, and he told me that the fees for the number of years he was uh, in the institution, what he forked from his pocket was less than 10%. But his fees was all cleared. Fees was all paid. So for me, this was a clear indication of this scripture, that God will meet all your needs according to his riches in glory. Because this scripture talks of the generosity of the Philippians, and he, my friend, continued being faithful to God, and God was able to see him uh, through all this. Verse 7 says, each of you should give what you have decided in your heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. So the first thing I see here is, you remember when we looked at the reasons why Kenyans don't give? First one, I, I don't have the finances. But this scripture starts by saying each of you, which basically means everyone is expected to give. Everyone is expected to give. But remember what we said, it's not just finances can give of your time, your talents, your gifts, so many other things. In kind, you can do that. Um, there is the scripture we all know of the widow's offering in the book of Mark. I'll just read it very quickly, four verses. Uh, Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put and watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. So many rich people threw in large amounts. But a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins, worth only a few cents. Calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, Truly I tell you, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. They all gave out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in everything, all she had to live on. So it's very easy at times to think that what I have to give will not amount to much, but... God, God is not really interested in that. God is interested in, are you giving sacrificially? Whatever you're giving, is it something that comes from your heart? Maybe these rich people, it was, at, at, it, because it seems unlike now, whereby you, you even do it discreetly and send to Mpesa or a basket goes round. There, they used to come to the front and give. So maybe it was a time to show how much money I have and to show off the rest that I am able to give so much money. But God was, Jesus was able to look at the people's hearts and see these people actually give nothing. But for her, with those two small copper coins, she gave more than all these other people because she gave out of a point of not abundance, but a point of sacrificial uh, giving. So one thing we see here in this verse again, it says, uh, Give what you have decided in your heart to give. Remember we said Kenyans are uh, very impulsive in terms of giving. We give as the need arises. But that is not sustainable. That is why I gave that example like today I'll come and give to your need. Then I'll realize because I've given, tomorrow I'm the one in need. Then I come back to you and probably you give me back my money. But a more sustainable way is, as the Bible says, Give what you have decided to give in your heart. So plan. Plan that this is what I want to give. This is what I'll, I'll give. And it says that what you have decided to give in your heart. So don't use your head. If you try to rationalize it, you might not even end up giving anything. Because at times, we have so many needs. 
and we find it difficult to even give. But if you have planned in your heart to give because it's something you believe in, you are able to do it. Um, it also says that you should not feel, you should not give out of compulsion or reluctantly. And I remember even last year giving this example of uh, a, a journalist who went to a church and uh, he, was trying to, he, he was writing a story, basically. So he wanted to gather some information. So he went to this church. After, after getting the information he needed, as he rose up to leave, he was stopped by the ushers. He was told, you cannot leave before we give. So he said, okay. So he went back to, give, to sit down. And the church started at, was it 9 a.m.? Giving was at around 4 p.m. So they were there <laughs> the whole day. <laughs> and now the funny thing was, because he had not come to church to have church, he had not come to, he had not carried any money to give, or he had not planned to give. So when the basket was going round, it stopped in front of him. Uh, he tried to, you know, the way in Akuja Unashika, you just pass it on, and it was taken back. As in, basically, you ca it cannot pass without you giving. So he grudgingly looked for something and put it inside. You know. So there, there, there are places like that, yeah? So this is what you call coercion. <laughs> he gave out he, because he was under, under compulsion. It's, so, it's not something that he wanted to do. And also, there's another story of, of uh, a, a couple who had gone to church, and now uh, the, the man had not planned on, on giving. So, you know, the way you're told it's time to give, and you just, okay. So the basket goes round, and... Uh, he put his hand in the pocket trying to decipher uh, this is a 50 bob note this, you know you don't want to do it publicly so when the basket came he just said okay so then he discovered he had put in a thousand shillings and he wanted to put the 50 shillings note and that thing really bugged him he didn't even listen to the sermon so he got home when they got home he's telling the wife that ah imagine I'd planned to give 50 bob then he can give that 1000 up on Dani. Then the wife was like, oh, you had planned to give 50 bob. That is what God received. If that's what you had planned to give, that is what God received. Yes. So, plan your giving. Um, the, the other thing is uh, verse 8, which says, and God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. So basically, it talks of having all that you need. God is able, as in our God is able. First of all, we need to acknowledge that. That there is no point that God at Ashindwa, our God is able. And God is able to bless you abundantly. Having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. So God will reward you. But remember, it's not just in monetary terms. God will reward you. To have a wholesome life, God will reward you in all the other aspects of your life that you may be struggling with. Uh, just yesterday, I was watching the interview for uh, Meghan and Harry. I don't know whether you guys watched it. Uh, Oprah was interviewing them. And it's, it's very interesting. Growing up, when you're reading fairy tales, you, you read about Prince princes, kings, and queens, and it looks so glamorous, and they look like they have everything. In, in terms of finances, they have it all, you know. But uh, Megan was saying that when she became a princess at that point, uh, in those few months or years she was there, it got to a place that she, was, she almost considered taking her life. 
got that bad, you know. And you know, I know we've, we've, we've all sang the song that, you know, <laughs> and we've, we've glorified that, that I'd rather be having all those issues, but I have money. But when you hear firsthand from someone who had it all, and now that they are out of that place, in fact, when they were saying they left, they had, they had no plan when they left. In fact, they had to start looking for jobs like a normal citizen. They had nothing. But right now, they're in a much better space, uh, mentally healthy, uh, looking forward to live their lives. So at times, we get caught up with this uh, facade of money being the destination, money being the end of it all. What are you working for? Money. What, what is your goal? This amount of shillings. So it looks like money is the end game, but... Money is really not the end game. Money is just a means. It's just a means that will get you there. What, what is it you want? Like, I've given a, an example of my friend who needed education. He, 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 he would have prayed for money, and yes, probably he'd, he'd have been given the money to pay the school fees. But what he really wanted was the education, and he was able to get it at a cost of less than 10%. You know, if it's food that we're looking for, we ask God to provide our daily bread. Money is just a means for that. But at times we get so fixated on money, like being everything, everything that will meet our needs. But it is not. We're told that money is a good servant, but a bad master. And, and I know we'll talk about this more when, when we get to the last, last Sunday of this month about uh, the issue of, 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 of money being really just a means, not a destination. Verse 10 says, Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. So, uh, you are a farmer, you've been given seed to sow. So, first of all, what you're being told to sow, you have been given. What you're giving in terms of be it to the church, be it to someone in need, God has allowed you to have it in the first place so that you're in a position to give. And it says that he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food. So, when you sow, if you are a farmer and you sow maybe maize, for instance, one, you will get food. You will get actual maize, which is food. But also you will get seed for the next time to harvest, I mean to, to plant. So you will not eat everything you harvest. You will put aside some sacks so that you are able to plant for the next season as well. And that's how it happens. And it says, God will increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. Because as you give and you harvest, and you give more, you harvest more. So this is something that uh, God is telling us to do, that once he's given you something, it's not for your enrichment only. Enrich yourself, but also remember to sow again. It's something, it is a way of life. It is not a one-off, it is a way of life. Verse 11 says that you will be enriched in every way, so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result 
in thanksgiving to God. So as I said, enrichment is not for selfish gain. Enrichment is for further generosity. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And last week, uh, Lawi, as we talked about debt, Lawi reminded us that you can find yourself in a vicious cycle of debt, uh, taking from one up to repay the other up, and like that, like that. So you find yourself in a vicious cycle. But now we are seeing a different cycle being introduced here, which I like to call it a victorious cycle, whereby you give and God gives you back, then you give again and God gives you back, and on and on and on. There is no point, the, you cannot outgive all the issues we have in this world. There is no point you'll get to up and say, I have given everything to sort all the issues that are there in the globe. So there will always be issues, there will always be needs for us to give. And God wants us to cultivate that. But remember, it's not that God, God wants our money or needs our money. No, 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 no. God is putting in us something. We are the image of God. God is a giver. And God is putting that seed in us and is training us to be givers, to be able to meet the needs that are in this globe. God created everything. And the issues that are there in this world, guess what? He uses human beings. He uses you. He uses me. So whatever little you've been blessed with, don't go gloating because it can disappear. It can disappear at any point. Be a good steward. Be a faithful steward with whatever resources you've been given. Even, even in terms of talent, do you have a talent that you're just sitting on? You know there are some people who have to work extra hard for some things, but for other people it comes naturally. But you don't want to use that talent to edify the kingdom of God. It can be taken from you. It can be taken from you. Then uh, verse 12 to 14 says... This service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of the Lord's people, but is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. Because of the service by which you have proved yourselves, others will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone else. Then finally it says, and in their prayers for you, and in their prayers for you, their hearts will go out to you because of the surpassing grace God has given you. So, if you look at verse, verse 12 and 13, which says that your, your, your service, uh, the service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of the people in need. At this point, it was, the, it was the Philippians giving to the church in Jerusalem. But it says that over and above this, there's over, overflowing there's also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. But it says, because of the service by which you have proved yourselves, others will praise God for, for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ. So this in itself is a ministry. This in itself is an opportunity for us to reach the community around us, to reach people around us with the word of God. Um, if you look at even the way Jesus used to do it, before he ministered to the 5,000 people, what was the first thing he did? He fed them. They had a need. He met that need. And because they, their need was met, they were receptive to the gospel as it was being preached to them, as it was being taught to them. Um, 
these these are children home that me and a couple of friends of mine we've been partnering with with i think it's been over 10 years now uh, so we normally go there uh, every so often maybe every couple of months but since uh, covid came we've not been able to go there physically but what what we've seen is very interesting because the first days we used to go and just take stuff we take stuff in fact you can actually give the stuff to someone to go and drop it then it got to a place we started interacting with the kids and we realized that these kids are more interested not in the stuff we bring yes it's the food and everything the clothing will assist them but they were so interested in knowing about us uh, what we do as human beings our families uh, our, our walk with god and so on so we decided to each time we go there we have sessions in fact at times we break we have breakout sessions for the ladies go with the ladies the men go with the men and we just discuss life issues most of them are going into teenagehood they have no one to talk to them about the changes that are, are, are happening to them but what this showed us is it brought us to a point whereby they were so receptive when we introduced the word of god to them because they they, they saw in us the need to help them and to meet and to meet them at their points of need, not just materially or physically, but also the things that they were battling with emotionally and spiritually. So by the time we're introducing the word of God to them, they were so receptive. They were so receptive. And this is what we are being told that even in our in our task as evangelists in Embakasi, we don't just rock up. We have to do our part in meeting the needs that are there. They are not just material needs. There are many needs, emotional, psychological. So it's you to find what it is God has blessed you with. Maybe the area in which you operate in terms of your work, your calling in terms of maybe your education. There are skills you have that might be of benefit for this church as we go to evangelize in Embakasi and even beyond. So as I, as I said, we are made in God's image. God, by nature, is a giver. The reason we're here today is because God, God gave his best. Sacrificial, in fact, that one is not even a, like a metaphor. Sacrificial giving because Christ actually died for us. God gave us his best. He'd have sent an angel, but he decided, no, my one and only son. He gave his best to us while we were yet sinners. He did not wait for us to start being receptive to him. He looked us, at us in our sin and he loved us. And because of his love and his giving, we responded to his word. And that is why we are here today. So we can pick a few things from God uh, in that. We are made in his image. There is a need in us to give. It is in the blueprint of how God created us. There is a need in us to give. If you don't give, happiness, fulfillment, good health might be at all order. So uh, an illustration I remember giving last year, and maybe I can give an update, is uh, on my daughter. Uh, last year, just before we talked about, we, we talked through this sermon, I remember uh, one of the evenings I went and prepared a bowl of fruits. Then when, I'm, when I went to sit down to have the fruits, my daughter came and wanted to have my fruits. But now what she did, she took the whole bowl and went with it. 
So she's eating, she's eating. Then I was like, hey, at this point, I will end up not eating any fruits. So I went to her and told her to share with me, and she actually said no. So I was like, huh? <laughs> and in my head, I was like, ah, is that how we treat God at times? He's the one who's given us everything, but we cannot even give anything back for his work. We cannot give anything back to his people. Uh, I mean, I can go and serve myself uh, another bowl of fruits. I can go buy more fruits for my daughter. So the issue was not that I really wanted those fruits, but there's something I'm trying to inculcate in her about sharing, about giving. And it's something uh, I can say uh, one year later, it is still a work in progress. <laughs> uh, in fact, what, what now happens, because I work from home, uh, I like having like uh, a bottle of water. So I have different water bottles. So she sees me drinking water, she comes for my water bottle. I give it to her, I go and get another one. She immediately leaves that one and comes from, for this one now I have. <laughs> so it is work in progress, but at least now when you say share, you can see she's willing to share and so on. And I think that's the same thing God is trying to inculcate in us. We won't get it right always. At times we'll struggle with giving, at times we'll not be in a position to give, but God will always give us opportunities for us to be able to exercise that so that it becomes second nature to us. So finally, um, okay, even before we, we finish, uh, there's a, a quote that says here by D.L. Moody that I can tell more about the spirituality of a man by looking at his checkbook that, than I can by looking at his prayer book. And that really struck me because to me, prayer is very, you're there with God, very spiritual. But also, giving is an act of worship to God. We've made it look so material, we've made it look so carnal, something so wrong, but we've mentioned that this is the one topic that has been spoken of the most by Jesus in the Bible. So our giving is an act of worship to God. And finally now we want to look at what the Bible says or who are the different groups of people that the Bible goes and says that we need to give. So the first one is the Bible says that we should give to those in need. We should give to those in need. And the book of 1 John 3, verse 17 and 18 says that if anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech but with actions and in truth. So we have been called to give to those in need. Uh, I think uh, last year was a good example of uh, at some point globally, so many of us were in need at some point and people in a position to give were able to give. We've talked about the food bank. Uh, people give and people benefited from uh, people's generous giving. So it's good to be able to give to those in need. You can also give, uh, if it's not through the church or to someone directly, you can also look for an organization that supports a cause that is dear to you. And like for, for instance, there's, there's a, a, a cause I've been giving to since 2012. It's uh, an, a, an organization that deals with, with cancer uh, patients, just uh, helping them because it's, it's, it can be a difficult journey. And I remember the first time I heard about this organization, I was so compelled to give, and I don't know why, 
and I obeyed. Uh, little did I know that a few years later we'd go through this with my dad because he, he had cancer and he had to go through the treatment process which was really uh, taxing. Uh, it can take a toll on a family. Unfortunately, he passed away, but it just strengthened my resolve because I think now I was able to see what people go through. There's the loss of a loved one, but also just taking care of, 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 of someone who's unwell. So there are always causes that you can identify with and that you can give to those in need. Jesus said in Matthew 25, truly I tell you, whatever you do, you did to, uh, for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. So the person seated next to you, that is, that is a representative of God. How you treat that person, that is how you're treating God. The second uh, group that we are called to give, and I remember the first time I read this uh, verse, I read it from, uh, I, I, I think it was just uh, either from my phone, but basically it was, it was an app. I had to go to a hard copy Bible to confirm. <laughs> so the second group is we are, we are told to give to family. And 1 Timothy 5.8 says, anyone who does not provide for their relatives and especially for their own household has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. And that one really hit me because I'm sure you have instances in your family whereby you're like, I want to Wanazoya, you know, <laughs> and and I, as I was preparing this, I, I was reminded. I, I, I remembered I had uh, I have a a relative, a distant relative who can be a bother, and how I've saved their phone number is don't pick. <laughs> that's, that's, that, and I checked through my phone yesterday. I was like, that number is still there. And that's the name that I've saved uh, that person's family. So that that person's name. So. At times, with family, you go through challenges a lot, but we are called uh, to give to, the, to those that are in need. To my defense, this is not exactly someone in need. They are just those people who assume that because you are in Nairobi, <laughs> your means. <laughs> but this is actually someone who is doing very well for themselves. Then, um, the last group uh, we are told to give is the church, the church, the body of Christ. Uh, we know the scripture in Malachi 3.10 that talks of bring, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Then it says, test me in this and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will be not be room enough to store it. I will pre prevent pests from devouring your crops and the vines in your fields will not drop their fruit before it is ripe, says the Lord Almighty. So this is a, a very loaded statement. It actually says, test me in this. It actually says uh, that he will even prevent bad things from happening. And you know, it says bring the whole house, or the whole tithe into the storehouse. And the storehouse is basically where the food is kept when you harvest. And that is where you are fed, the storehouse. And spiritually, the church is our storehouse because this is where we are nourished spiritually. And for those who have been going through the Bible, say to which book? Huh? Joshua. So you've gone through the whole uh, Israelites uh, leaving Egypt, 
and then they've now gotten to the promised land, right? So, uh, when they got to the promised land, allocations were done on the 12 tribes of Israel. Were all the tribes allocated for a piece of land? Which one was not given a piece of land? The Levites. And the Levites are the priests for the Israelites. And it was upon, it was, it was upon the other tribes of Israel to give the Levites for their sustenance because these people were the representatives of God and God was using them to feed them spiritually. So in the same way, in the church, we are called to give to the church. This is where we come every Sunday. We have our Zoom meetings, everything. We get a lot of edification from this place. And all this, all this is money. This is money. This, is, this space is money. You know, things just don't happen. So God has placed us here for a reason. So let us be faithful and diligent to be able to give to his work so that his work can continue. And I'm not just specifically talking about in Nairobi Chapel and Bakasi. There's a lot of work that God's people are doing across the globe that we can be able to support. So uh, that group I met with last year, the day before I, I, we, we went through this topic, another guy told me now uh, a, a, a personal testimony of his uh, regarding this scripture. Um, he said that um, when, when he decided to start uh, being faithful in giving uh, consistently to the work uh, of the Lord, uh, he started by giving 6,000. And it says it really dented his finances because uh, he was not earning much and it meant he had to uh, adjust some things to be able to give of that amount um, every month. But one thing he said is that he's never lacked. He has never lacked. And, and I remember the, the testimony he gave me is that year he decided to start. Um, he used to have car trouble. But that year, the whole year, he never had to go to the garage apart from the normal service. So for me, he was saying that this scripture, he actually put it to the test the way God said, test me in this. And his testimony was that actually this thing does work. And he continued faithfully. Of course, there are instances whereby uh, things happen. But uh, by the time we were meeting, he told me the last amount he gave to the church in the previous month was 39400 And if you look at the, um, the amount of time between which he was giving 6K and now 39, it is not a very long time. So to him, he was saying that actually this thing is true, that we have been called to be givers, and once God blesses us, it's for us to be able to give uh, more. So for me, it was even a challenge for me because I'm not standing before you saying that I've got it all together. This is something that I also struggled with. But for me, this was something I was like, I have to share this because it has spoken to me and I know it will be able to just convict us to be able to become diligent in this aspect of